Welcome to Hindsight, the podcast with your hosts, Lee and Eric. Hey, welcome to Hindsight, the podcast. I'm Lee Jones, your host, and I'm here today with a very special person to my heart, uh, Russell Levy, who I met a few years ago when I was transitioning from the military. On your LinkedIn page, it says you're an OSHA safety trainer, Lean Six Sigma instructor, and a career coach. But I know that you've just finished up a certification on a new tool that you have in your toolbox to help soldiers. So what are you working on now? Yeah, so, well, I just finished my real estate license. So um, all all of my efforts have sort of culminated in a lot of great things. And, and it's a, it's just, a, it's another service line. Um, I would, I would just say, you know, we've trained over 8,000 people at veteran transition support. And part of that has been uh, the VA home loan benefit. And what I found was, you know, you can give a lot of people the information and then they might need somebody to help them walk the walk to achieve what, what they want to do. Uh, so I would look at it in, in that light. So it's another service line, another chance to help. Uh, veterans achieve their goals. And, you know, just like when you came through our classes, you know, we're still all about, you know, career management, obtaining benefits, education planning, and cultural adaptation. And this is just another component of that. Right. So when I came through, uh, I went through the, the classes and I did a resume and it really didn't get any traction. And so I spoke to you. I, you said, hey, give me your resume. I'll look over it and, and tweak it a little bit. And so as soon as I started submitting that resume that you tweaked, I started getting callbacks and interviews and things like that. So um, before we get into how important you were to me, which I've already expressed, Let's go back. What did you do prior to um, helping soldiers out? All right. Well, I started my professional career as a criminal defense attorney in New Orleans. So deciding college, I was going to be a lawyer, uh, focused on that, went to law school, clerk for federal judge, and then I went into uh, private practice and did that for almost seven years, um, loved it for a few years. And then it just, you know, just, I just got really burnt out. So I decided I want to change my life and go out to California and become a teacher. And what better place to change your life than to move out to California? And so I came out here, um, started graduate school, and then I had to go to work to pay for it. So I got into construction. So I was in uh, like construction project manager, you know, doing bids, doing estimates, doing sales, you know, ordering materials and all that. So I did that for about five and a half years. And uh, my last year of doing that, um, kind of like right when the crash was happening, um, I had met a Marine um, who uh, I just helped um, get his first job out of the military. And basically what had happened was I had been volunteering at Saddleback Church uh, just because I'm big on service, big on volunteer and, you know, just trying to get meaning in my life. And I had never helped anybody write a resume or any of that. Cause I didn't do that as a lawyer, but since nobody wanted to help him, I decided that I would, and, uh, he landed pretty quickly. And then I just started helping one at a time. Right. And so what you're talking about with your resume, a lot of that I had, I used the same things that I learned at Saddleback church in the mid two thousands. And we were using, um, if you think about South orange County, I mean, that's a very affluent area. There had a lot of major companies there. Um, lots of high level people there from all over the world. And so um, when the crash happened, 
and I met this Marine, we went from helping 40 to 50 people a night. When the crash happened, we were doing four to 500. And they were people who had never thought they'd get another job again, much less lose their whole industry and everything. So when I started helping this retired Marine, I just saw the similarities between, you know, what somebody does as a manager, as a leader, you know, 20 plus years in the military was very similar to what I had seen with these Orange County managers in terms of, you know, what kind of stuff you put in a resume, how you should phrase it, how you target job searches and things like that. And that was really, I just, I just applied a high level management career management system to a retired Marine and he just took off. And so I just started doing the same thing again and again and again. So, um, I eventually uh, started volunteering at a homeless shelter for veterans um, because I just wanted to help more veterans. And they uh, asked me, if, about, about a month, they asked me to be an employment director. So I left a six-figure job uh, to go into a homeless shelter for, to help veterans. Wow. And uh, that gave a lot of meaning. Not a lot of money, but a lot of meaning. Absolutely. So what, what mainly burnt you out about being a lawyer? Yeah, it was criminal defense was the main part of our practice. Um, you know, it's one of those things that you just do not know if you're cut out for it until you actually do it. And uh, doing criminal defense is 24-7. It never ends. It's always on your mind. High pressure, high stakes. You know, because if you make a mistake, you know, someone, you know, could spend their life in jail. So there's a lot of pressure. Um and like I said, it was just 24-7. So after a couple of years, it started wearing on me. And then from a from a tactical standpoint, I always felt like I was a one step behind in litigation. Like it, it, there's a lot of instinct involved and I overthink things. So I always felt like, like I wasn't getting better in terms of, you know, being in the courtroom and that kind of stuff. So I sort of stepped back into a research and writing kind of a practice supporting other litigators. And and that worked for a while, but I just you just get to the point where you're just you know I've had enough of this. It's not getting better, um, and I want to take what I've done and do something else. And so for me, the next logical thing was uh, moving to teaching because I was a history major in undergrad and loved it. Um, and my choices coming out of school was you know go to grad school, be a history teacher, or go to law school, and become a lawyer. And you know I I can't say I made the wrong decision, but for for me personally, I was not I was not naturally cut out to be a litigator I, I wasn't born and bred to be a litigator okay okay like how long did it take you to come to that decision like i'm not i'm not not cut out for it, but it's just not me right and then to make that decision to move to california to become a teacher how was that for you it took years it was not a quick it, it took a long time i probably my third or fourth year i was like i've got to get out of this or i'm gonna have die an early death hypertension over, you know, too much salt in food, eating out all the time, going out all the time, going to, you know, you know, we didn't do networking, but we did, you know, political events, you know, people fundraisers. It was constant. It was 24 seven. And I could look at the generation ahead of me and they were dropping like flies, you know, liver cancer, um, uh, heart attacks, kidney failures, diabetes, multiple families. And I was like, I'm just like them. If, if I don't change my life, I'm going to be just like them. So, um, just started to kind of migrate out, started coming out to California, tried to figure out what I wanted to do. And then when I decided I was going to go to grad school, be a, be a teacher, I was going to focus on reading because I'm a lawyer. So I'll focus on something I'm good at. Um, just made the jump. Was it everything that you wanted to be 
Well, you know, we talk about cultural adaptation in uh, in my classes a lot, and um, yeah, it hit me hard. Uh, trying to go from a you know private practice you know litigator where there is no second place to moving into where you're trying to teach reading and just kind of bucking up against the system. Um, so that was how I got into construction sales. When I got when I got into construction to pay for it, I was like, I just was like, you know, I'll come back to this later. So what I decided to do was instead of teaching reading to kids, I said, I'll go to graduate school and um, maybe I'll get a history master's and start teaching at a higher level. Uh, but that was, you know, right about the time all these decisions were being made was when I met that first Marine. And all of a sudden there, I was like living history. I mean, 23 years in the Marine Corps, you know, all those years overseas. And, you know, they're trying to teach us this stuff at graduate school and these history classes. And I'm listening to somebody else who was actually there. Um, so it just, it just was a, a turning point for me. Um, but I have to say the biggest thing of all was just the thrill of turning someone's life around that past and then doing it again and then doing it again with nothing but a, you know, a resume and some interview prep and a little direction and purpose and watch people just take off. So, um, I, I, I've, I had a knack for something that I didn't know that I had. So how did you plan that transition? Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just like a lot, you know, I, I, God, you heard me late in my classes. Transition takes time. Like it just does. I mean, whether you're changing industries or, you know, especially changing industries, it just takes time. It's just a whole time. So I can't say any of these things were overnight changes, but um, they, you know, I dabbled in it, you know, dabbled in it, kept working, kept dabbling in it. Um, and then, uh, you know, just, it just started, I just started to move away from, you know, the, the private sector side of, of working, doing sales, um, more and more time spent helping veterans. And the, the difference was when I woke up in the morning to go to my sales job, you know, it was like trudging my feet, but I had no problem coming home being two in the morning, you know, getting somebody ready for this big interview they had the next day or, or you know, figuring out, you know, in a weird way, Lee, it was almost like practicing law again without all the negative parts of dealing with the lawyers and the judges and all the friction that goes on practicing law. It was, it was very similar in, the, in that relationship that you have with somebody. And so for me, that that part was a natural fit. Um, I, and the difference was, is I didn't have to, I didn't have any kind of, uh, it wasn't a contest with me and another person who was trying to cut me off at the knees. It was just me getting somebody prepared to go out and do something, um, which really isn't necessarily that difficult, but it's it's a skill. And like any other skill, and, you know, you can learn by trial and error, or you can have somebody, you know, if you're coachable, somebody can kind of, polish you up and get you ready to go in a pretty short period of time. And I was very lucky to have coachable people early on uh, who sort of, I probably learned a lot more from them than they ever learned from me. I'll put it that way. When did you decide to just go all in? Uh, that was when the, when the homeless shelter offered me the position as an employment director. That was it. Uh, I literally went from helping a handful of people. I had, I was up at the South Orange County Vet Center kind of volunteering up there, teaching classes, you know, career management, helping those guys. You know, this is 2011, 2012, so you can imagine what it was like in there. And um, literally the next day I show up, I got 160 homeless veterans on my caseload. Oh, wow. And, and one of the things I made sure to do is I gave every one of them a resume. And I used that experience uh, to learn as much as I could about the military because I had them teach me 
everything I could possibly learn from them. And I mean, they were all age groups, you know, but we had Vietnam era, you know, uh, Gulf War era, lots of uh, lots of post 9-11 era. And one of the interesting things is, uh, you know, you had a pretty long career in the military, like even though you think it kind of changes, it kind of stays the same. So military service is very, very similar even between generations. So uh, I learned a ton from all these guys um, as they were teaching me to help them. So by the time I ended up on Camp Pendleton, I, I had a pretty good grounding and in, in a diverse skill sets of, of different people. So how was that process? Um, I guess being approved to work on Camp Pendleton. Um, was that, was that just the job that you were offered? No, I was lucky. I didn't know the regulations. I didn't know the rules. I'm a disciplined handicapped civilian. I oh. had no idea. Okay. I just got tired of seeing, uh, soldiers and, and Marines and sailors, you know, coming into the homeless shelter within a year, getting out of the service. And I was like, man, we got to do something. I just got tired of it. And I kept getting the same conversation. And I said, you know, if I'd have met you six months ago, you wouldn't be here. And they would say, what would you do? And it was the same conversation again and again and again. So um, the first Marine I helped, he was the force recon scout sniper. And then the second or third Marine I helped was a combat instructor. I said, hey, let's go down to Camp Pendleton and teach OSHA classes and lean classes on the weekend. And then you guys as Marines can tell everybody, hey, this is what's over the hill. You know, this is what you need to do to cover your six. And I was letting them do it. And what happened was it took off so fast. Um, we had 26 in the first class, 50 in the second, 66 in the third. So we moved to a bigger building that seated 85, a bigger room. We had 105 show up. And that was when the Wounded Warrior Battalion asked us to go teach over there because they had sent 14 Wounded Warriors and a couple of captains. Um, so by the time they figured out that I was even there on Camp Pendleton, we had already had a couple thousand people come through. So rather than throw us out, they were like, hey, you know, just keep what you keep doing what you're doing. Um, just don't, you know, go crazy, I guess, is sort right. of what their message was. What classes, services do you offer to veterans now? And I think you also deal with uh, people who are in still, right? Yeah, about 85 percent of our, our participants now are transitioning. OK, which I really like because. Now we're ahead of the curve. Now we got, now we got time where they can actually put some of these plans in place uh, before they get out, so that their the likelihood of success actually goes up right. astronomically. Because it, when you get out, it's just harder. Your resources spread out. You got to go find everything fresh, and it it just takes longer. Right. Um, everything sort of there's a whole system in place to tap into. So uh, it's just, it hadn't changed. I mean, we do we do OSHA ten. Um, we do Lean Six Sigma. Uh, we do uh, preparing to follow a disability claim. We do VA home loan benefits. I do the uh, ten day the the ten day classes where I put it all together and then add uh, supply chain to it. Um, uh, and then over the years, we've just developed um, pretty good. I would you know associations. I guess you say more than partnerships of other programs that are doing something really well. Right. And I will just say, hey, you know, there's some things I think every veteran should do. And there's some things that, you know, specific veterans should do based upon my conversation with them. OK, well, then you should do this one. So um, there's a whole range of things. So it's a it's a mix of uh, classes mm -hmm. and also one on one, you know, coaching on on effective next next steps. Uh, but that uh, that um, 
that sort of trifecta of OSHA, Lean Six Sigma, and supply chain has has done us very well in, with the uh, with the um, other classes, the benefit classes. Right. I I know every time. Um, well, one of those classes. I don't know if you worked directly with them, uh, but I did the Vet CTAP class. Yes. That's one of the reasons why I don't do my own career management class because they do such a good job of it that I'm like, you know, hey, go over there and let the <laughs> HR people tell you about HR people. They do a great job. And they invite me to talk on a gra- on a graduate panel, people who've graduated from their program. And I tell you what, at some point, I always mention your name because I'm trying to funnel people to you. Uh, between Vet CTAP and yourself, you guys were the most um, impactful in my transitioning uh, process or, you know, events. So I always try to bring your name up. So I don't know if people come to you. you know. I have had I have had people mention you specifically, that, and I always appreciate it. I mean, I really do appreciate it. I, I like to think of um, us and Vet CTAP and Onward to Opportunity and, you know, uh, even Hire Heroes. There's some programs that when you sign up with them, you're going to get what you expect to get from them. Um, they specialize in certain things. They focus on that. And I think they do a good job of that. And so that helps us all be better by not having to recreate the wheel over and over and over again. Absolutely. Um, and and I, that's something that was not there. Until when I first started helping Veterans League, there was nothing. I mean, absolutely nothing. Um, if they had everything that they have now, I might not be in this industry. but you know, I remember wandering around Orange County trying to find out, you know, where does a re- retired Marine, you know, go get help? Right. Um, so I sent him to the EDD and they, they offered him a job picking tomatoes. Mm. And he had an industrial engineering degree from West Virginia and a two-year master's level certificate from Toyota in Japan. So wow. that's the kind of uh, environment that we were in. Plus, Hurt Locker had just come out, so everybody was really sensitive about things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And so over the years, other programs have kind of built up. And so I think the, the, the environment now is much more favorable than it was 10 years ago, which I'm very, very happy about. So what is the most common um, challenge for military veterans to transition uh, from your point of view? And how do you help them in that challenge or overcome that challenge? Well, I lead all my classes off with the same with the same statement that, you know, every veteran, I don't care what the rank is, what the branch is, what their MOS was, every veteran has to navigate career development, obtaining benefits, education planning, and cultural adaptation. Mm-hmm. And if any one of those fail, it can bring everything else down. And and so the process of, you know, discovering, you know, the direction and purpose of, of career development, you know, okay, what direction I usually, I usually try to focus on directions as opposed to jobs because it's not where, it's not where you are your first month out of the military. It, where are you going to be 12 months later? That's what's really important. Um, so that, that's a process. Um, and then while they're going through that process, I recommend, you know, you know, uh, you veterans have the best benefits in the world, but nobody's going to give them to you. So you got to go out and get those that, so that puts you in touch with more people who are also transitioning and people who are a few steps ahead. And then, you know, education planning. Um, and now we're all, we all have to be lifelong learners or we're going to get, you know, we'll become the village blacksmith if we're not. So that's always, that's also part of it. And then when I talk about the cultural adaptation, you know, what's going to happen when someone, you know, walks, a veteran walks into a company and, you know, they're the only veteran. 
Um, or they ask somebody to help them uh, do something and the employee looks at them and says, that's not my job description. You know, how do you handle all those little things you know, right. before, before they happen? And one of the, you know, even though I didn't wear a uniform, you know, I didn't serve in the military. Uh, you know, when I, you know, I practiced law, I had fancy cars, I had expensive suits. You know, when I called people, answered the phone, you know, I had a lot of status with that. I had a, you know, a high level career, you know. And, and I had this whole life that I had, you know, built, you know, built myself around, I guess you could say. And uh, when that when when I had to let that go, um, even though it wasn't overnight, it was still when I first came to California, it was shocking for me because I had to leave all that behind. I didn't have a law license and, you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't have anything. And all of a sudden, nobody wanted to pick my phone calls. I couldn't get a job. No one wanted to hire me because who's going to hire an ex, you know, an ex lawyer, it's like hire an ex cop. I mean, who's going to do that? Um, and so I had my own really significant transition struggles that when I, I don't usually necessarily talk about it when I'm, you know, talking with veterans about it, but you know, I have faced significant transition struggles in my own life. And so I empathize greatly, uh, with what that must feel like to, leave the uniform behind, leave everything, everything you worked so hard for, for years and years and years kind of evaporates. And that was something that I saw that happened in the crash when I was talking about Saddleback Church, when all these white collar, high level people who never thought they'd have to get another job again, all of a sudden never even had an industry. And I, I saw, you know, I'm, I'm pretty good at spotting trends, spotting similarities, you know, apples, they're, they're not apples and apples, but they're, they're relatable. And I've always kind of brought that with me, you know, both my own transition and what I saw other people go through and the, the, the common factors that make people successful. Right. Um, right. And so it, it tends to be a lot of the same conversations. What kind of, what bit of advice do you give to veterans when they're leaving out as far as like jargon and demeanor? Uh, do you give any special advice on that? All right. So when I do my OSHA 30 hours, I do have a nonverbal communication um, module that I teach that I actually learned from a, a soldier I'd helped. One of the, actually, the first soldier I helped was a military police paratrooper. It was a criminal investigator and trained by the FBI in nonverbal communication um, in Quantico. So he could be an expert in federal court. And when he taught me what he did, I was like, man, we got to start teaching that to other people and especially civilians. So he he started actually was teaching it in the homeless shelter and i kind of picked up a lot from him um on some of the things that he would coach veterans on um and part of that is uh you know posture right um, in the military you know it's polite you know you square up on somebody you know when you know shoulder square shoulder chest up you know face to face well in the private sector that can be considered a sign of aggression so he would he would teach veterans, you know, hey, you know, turn your shoulders a little bit, kind of twist them down, you know, when you go to shake hands to kind of reduce your profile a little bit. Right. Um, uh, you know, obviously, you know, voice tone, you know, uh, cocking eyebrows, you know, knife hands are the obvious ones, but there's some more subtle ones as well. Right, right. And so I do try to, I do, and, and the best way to handle that, I always talk about is talk to veterans who are a few steps ahead of you. Um, I have a, he was a Boeing manager for 24 years, and he he helps us with a lot of that. I'm um, talking to veterans, and uh, his story when I went to his office to go talk to him was when he first got out of the Navy. His first job was a production supervisor at Boeing, and he said he got there and he, he started giving orders 
Um, he said the whole line stopped and just looked at it. And he goes, I wouldn't even give him mean orders. I was just giving orders. Uh, he goes, I had to learn how to talk to people really fast. Like, right. like, and, and, and that's why I always recommend just talking with veterans about, you know, what that, I mean, look, when you guys deploy, you get a class when you're going to another country that says, you know, you know, don't shake hands with your left hand. Don't point your feet at people, you know, don't ask about the wives and daughters, you know, <laughs> right. But you don't get anything like that to transition out. And in a way you're, you're, and then, and you know, and then every company's different, you know, construction can be very different than aerospace can be very different than medical device. And, you know, there, there's so many moving parts to it, which is why I always recommend the networking piece of, Hey, if you're interested in that industry, you know, go talk to a veteran who's working in that industry and they'll, they'll, they'll tell you. Um, and, and that's good advice for anybody, not just, not just veterans. That's just, that's just how things are done uh, for people who want to be successful, but it's, it's a skill and it can be kind of scary at first. So I try to try to handle that. How do they go out and seek these people out? Uh, so right now there's a veterati.com, which is fantastic. You can get a one hour phone mentoring with a veteran who's in your industry. Um, I tell, I tell routinely, uh, veteran, you know, certainly transitioning service members to go on LinkedIn and start looking up people they served with in the past, whether it was 10 years ago or five years ago, or, you know, who knows where they are and just, just, you know, ping them on LinkedIn and just have a conversation. Um, it, I mean, the least effective thing is you can, you know, reach out to people and say, Hey, I need a job. Just ask for information. Just say, Hey, can you tell me about your industry? Tell me about your company. And, you know, I never had to tell a soldier what to tell another soldier. I never had to tell a Marine what to tell a sailor. Like I'd, that's my favorite part about working with veterans is I, I, I learned in the very beginning, um, the best thing I can do is, you know, kind of put two veterans together who have a common interest and kind of get out of the way and let them, let them handle it. And right. that's been very effective, Right. but otherwise there's no way to know. So if I was, um, I'll put it this way. So let's say I wanted to go work at another nonprofit. I would start reaching out to other people that I knew to ask them about that other nonprofit before I even started approaching people at the nonprofit. Okay. Right. To, you just right. want to start getting Intel. Right. Right. And so that way, when you actually talk to that person who's at that nonprofit that you're targeted, you've already heard a whole bunch of things. So you already feel like it's familiar. Right. And so, that's, and it's just networking. Absolutely. I mean, I hate overusing that word, but God, it's just, it's all networking, especially, especially, these, you know, and you probably remember this. When we were younger, when we were really young, like we didn't have all this internet stuff. I know. <laughs> I mean, you wanted a job, you had to walk down the street or ride your bike down the street or get a ride down the street and walk in and fill out a piece of paper and somebody looked at you and they said, well, come on in the back. Um, you know, right. we didn't have any of this stuff. And That's it's just it made, it's just made it. So, oh, I know your daddy. Sure. You can work here. <laughs> oh, I know your brother. You can work, you know, it was right. so easy to get a job and now it's so hard, it's so but difficult. we were all, what well, we were all working in our little areas. We all had a frame of reference and that's all changed now. So right. you have to adapt. Right. So I remember you gave some uh, pretty good advice. You, you touched on it a little bit earlier. You talked about salary negotiations and one of the bits of advice that you gave uh, me or us in the class that I was in was there are other benefits that you're going to get, right? I, I put a whole package together. Okay. Uh, I'm like, well, that's why I'm so big on the disability claims. Cause if you get a medical pension, 
you know, that can really change the way you look at the jobs you're targeting towards a long-term goal. All of a sudden you, you got this baseline, you know, if, if you're, you know, if you're 70% and you're making 1700 a month, well, you can factor that in that, Hey, maybe I don't need to make a, be an ops manager. Maybe I can be an area manager. I can sacrifice a little bit to get in that company or that industry um, to get in because I've got this baseline. So that's always helpful. And then I always factor in, you know, you know, you got your you know education benefits and I'll put together a whole plan for people to figure that out. Um, what, you know, what do you actually need to achieve your goal? Because what I'm seeing, and I'll be frank, I, I've seen, I've seen more veterans mess up salary negotiation than I've seen actually succeed with it. Cause it's not, you know, it's a skill and, you know, absolutely. You know, if, if you really want that job, is it really worth an extra $500 a month right. to risk losing it? And so I'll start to have those conversations. Um, so a lot of times in particularly when you first, it's kind of hard to negotiate a salary when you're first coming out of the military. I mean, cause you're such an unknown. And so things that I'll have people ask for in terms of benefits that can pad the income without actually being salary. Uh, one is, uh, an early performance review instead of waiting for the, instead of waiting until the end of the year, can you get one at 90 days or 180 days? Because you may end up where you want after that. Um, another one, if you can squeeze out a job title, you know, if you, you know, if it, right. if, if they're looking at you for area manager, you know, can you be like, well, you know, Hey, I got a lot of experience. Can you, can you, um, give me two departments and make me, you know, a, a an ops manager or like little things like that. And the reason, and one of the reasons why I've started to focus on some of the more intangible aspects of it is Lee, I worked so hard for so many times to get people, these home run jobs mm -hmm. and seven, eight months later, they're, they're, they're ready to move on. Right. Because of the conditioning people get in the military of always, you know, heading to another job, heading to another billet, heading to another station. And so that conditioning doesn't go away. So I don't spend as much time focusing on that home run right out of the military as I am like, hey, well, let's get you in that direction. Let's get you in that industry because, you know, 70% of veterans change jobs within the first year. And I don't know whether that person's in the 30% that's going to stay or the 70% that, that is going to change. So I just would say, well, let's play the odds right. and assume that by the end of your first year, if your company's not ready to promote you or give you new challenges, which most companies don't function like that um you're probably likely going to be ready to move on and so let's let's focus on where that second job is right and not put so much pressure on the first job and one of the other things i'll tell veterans to do like so if someone says hey they want to get into the logistics industry oh fantastic so go look up so if they're a soldier i'll tell them go on linkedin and look up soldiers and look up soldiers in logistics and see where they've gone. You know, you see, they went to Amazon for a year, then they were at Target for a year and a half, then they were at Home Depot for two years, and now they're at Walmart. And, and each time they're moving, they're moving up. Right. And it helps people realize that you're heading in a direction and not a destination. Absolutely. And, and so when I look at people, when they want to do salary negotiation on the money, I'm like, okay, what's the range of the position? And if you're at the middle or towards the top end of the range, you don't have nearly as much to negotiate as you think. 
Is it worth it to risk the job? If you're at the bottom end of the range, then they're not really that serious about you anyway. Right. So you get it's every case is um, every case is uh, individual. If it's a high level position, if I'm working for somebody like a retiree or an officer or somebody who's, I mean, it's a, it's worth negotiating over. I have, I can send them over to vet CTAP or I've got other people that can help them walk them through that actual process. Right. But I've just seen, so I've just seen too many people where the company's like, okay, never mind. Well, what is the, the best piece of advice you can give to someone who's about to transition? Say they, they have about a year, you know, before they're transitioning. What, what advice would you give them? Okay, so if they have a year, I'm going to tell them to maximize their tuition assistance, right? Mm-hmm. Bulk that up. Try to get as many classes in whatever direction they're headed in out of the way. It just gives you a huge head start. Um, I recommend figuring out whatever that direction is going to be. You know, what kind of, is it? You know, you're going to look safety industry. You're going to go manufacturing. You know, whatever, whatever kind of amorphous, long range sort of direction are you thinking? Mm-hmm. And then figure out what certifications that industry is looking for, whatever they're looking for, right? So for me, the safety industry has been a, a well-worn path. That's a, that's an easy for what we're doing. But sometimes I get people who are going into IT, and I don't, I'm not really an IT person, but I'll be like, okay, what direction? And we'll go on. We'll figure out, okay, well, then these are the certificates you need, and then start getting those. You want to front load your certificates for whatever the industry is. When you when you do as much of this as I have, one of the things that I learned a while back is that com- they're all doing the same stuff. They're just calling it something different and tweaking it a little bit and trying to act like it's special. So, <laughs> right. which is one of the reasons why I focus on you know OSHA safety, Lean Six Sigma, and supply chain because that's every company has some version of that, and then every service member has a version of that. And so we can sort of use that as a common foundation of knowledge to sort of apply anywhere. Right. Um, it, but so if you got a year, you know, that's fantastic. Hopefully someone has more than a year and we can get them to get a, you know, we can get them to get a house if they don't already have one and start building some equity. Um, oh, nice. cause the government's paying for it. Right. Right. What, what is the optimal time? I said one year. I just gave an arbitrary time. What is like optimal time to successfully plan a transition? I, I would put it this way: it it, t- it takes a year to transition. Okay. Uh, I mean, you know, if you get started in your last month in the service, it's going to be a year before you really have fully, you know, between your benefits and your your, your career development. You know, by the time you've transitioned, it's going to take a year. And I would say that's like that for people even changing industries, not just transition service members. So, uh, I would say you know, a year because of all the stuff that goes into all the changes that are going to happen. Um, and then the longer you wait, you know, just the more you, the more you open yourself up to not having the time to actually, you know, figure out what you want to want to do and then act on, on, the, on that plan. I've been really fortunate the last few years to have, you know, to have uh, some service members start coming two, three years before they got out and some even more than that. Um, and that has been fantastic because yeah, absolutely. they, I mean, I got, I helped this sailor and he came to my 10 day class and I didn't remember him, but he came. And then when he came and, and, and then at the end of it, he was like, no, my chief made me go to your class when I was an E3 that we taught one class on Sandy at, at, uh, on 32nd street in the galley. 
and he, his chief brought him there as an E3, and it made him start taking all the safety billets he could. And he got out at eight years and landed this fantastic job at Amazon. And I was like, how did you what? I hadn't seen a service member put all that in their resume, certainly not at the eight year mark. Oh, no, I went to your classes in E3, like spent my next four years. I, I mean, <laughs> but he came to everything, got 100 percent service connected, bought a house. Um, great job. I mean, just like every all because he got turned on to the possibilities and ended up signing another contract and used his other contract to sort of set himself up for the future. Wow. And, you know, like to me, that's just to hear that uh, was amazing for me just to think that we could have that influence on somebody who just took a little OSHA 10 hour and then, and then acted on it. Right. Um, and so, uh, so the, so, I, I have really enjoyed, you know, being on Camp Pendleton long enough that people have started coming when they first show up there. And they'll, they'll, what'll happen is they'll come to our classes, you know, they got a year left, two years left, and then they'll start going to Vet CTAP and they'll start going, they'll get their onward opportunity. I mean, their Hire Heroes internship. They'll, they'll start accessing all the other fantastic resources that are available. They get all their medical issues documented. They do it early on, so they they end up with a hundred percent right out of the gate because they went down the system. They're not any different than anybody else. They just they just started taking advantage of the resources that were available to them early enough that they maximize their impact. It's like compounded interest. I mean, you you take my OSHA class, you know, you got a week left in the military. Yeah, it's helpful, but you take it and you got a year left, and right. you come to the others and you start accessing all the other resources and meeting all the other veterans who are in the same boat you are and getting connected to the ones who are a few steps ahead of you. And there's no reason that you shouldn't have an incredibly successful transition. It's good. Like that, that made me feel good just to hear you hear that story about how impactful it could be the earlier you get this knowledge in you, because I waited till about three months before I retired, before I really got serious about transitioning. And it made the whole transition stressful. And I was lucky and I was blessed that I was looking and I saw the, the vet CTAP flyer or something like that. And I took advantage of it. And that just opened up another uh, networking avenue for me. And it put me in touch with a lot of the right people. And it made my transition easy. Well, what I mean by that is I try to say it in a, t in a way that people can understand. Absolutely. You know, if I say, hey, you should network, it doesn't mean anything. But when I start telling people, look up people you served with two years ago, five years ago, see where they are. Like, people can relate to that. Right. You know, you don't think that that guy you served with 15 years ago wouldn't want to hear from you? Yeah. I mean, you guys would be back in nostalgia talking about the suck and whatever else, you know. You know it, it, it'll be the it'll, – it'll make his month <laughs> to hear from you. And, and so – yeah, I try to put it in terms of that people think, oh, yeah, I can do because otherwise it just sounds so like, well, what does that mean? It just means reaching out to people, you know, and reconnecting wherever that conversation goes. It'll go where you want it to go. Uh, but the hard part is just getting people to actually do it. And then all of a sudden they start doing it and you just hear these fantastic stories about um, people who reached out to somebody they had served with years before. And now they want them to come work for their company because – when you serve together, you know that other person. Yeah. Especially when you've been deployed. Oh, yeah. Um, 
<laughs> there's no doubt what you're getting. <laughs> and the best jobs have been coming from that. You know, people who got out a few years before and now they're a manager in a company somewhere or a supervisor or, or something. And, you know, because, oh, you know, out of sight, out of mind. Uh, and God, I had uh, Adam Jacobson. He's the director. He was the director at the uh, at the at the academy. He started coming to our classes as soon as he got on Camp Pendleton. He, he was coming for three years. And uh, he I mean, he's he's actually going to come, come teach for us this weekend. And he oh, good. Uh, it was it was really funny when we talk about networking. Um, he ended up uh, sent me a job description for a company. And it was for the utility companies, and it was to do quality assurance on helicopter loads, flying the equipment into the into the forest to rebuild the transmission line. And so I asked him, so this is 2019, and I was like, so I asked him, I was like, well, um, you know, you ever done quality assurance on helicopter loads? He goes, yeah, I did it when I was with the engineers in Iraq and Afghanistan. I said, okay, when was that? He goes, 2005 and 2007. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So we put it at the top of his resume. Okay helicopter loads and uh he ended up what it was was uh his his uh, battalion commander i think was over at the company and somebody you know so he was the first sergeant at the time um but who better to hire to do quality assurance on your helicopter loads than your first sergeant from when you served overseas absolutely <laughs> and, and you know i it, it it was fantastic, right? Uh, and so it was kind of a combination of a little networking and a little little resume system. You know, it was, you know, it was it was not a lot of work, but it was a lot. It was focused, right? And and uh, he he, I don't know, even get into how much he's getting paid to do this, but anytime you work for the utilities, it's it's really really good. Um, no degree, you know, just uh, and and uh, yeah, it's uh, but other things that he did. He went to OSHA. He went to the OSHA Training Institute, and he got his OSHA outreach trainer, and he started teaching with us while he was still in the military. We had um, Adam was a, was a he was a sergeant major at the academy. We had Mike Patron was the gunner at School of Infantry, and uh, Roger Turner. He's a gunner. He was a warrant officer five. At uh, we were teaching. Uh, they were teaching uh, PFCs and lance corporals at First Combat Engineering Battalion, OSHA tens. So we could get that. They're doing civilian stuff. Yes, yes, into their resumes. Yeah, I, that was great. I love. I love that was to me. That was awesome to show up and and you know because to those guys, those I mean on Horno, I mean, those guys are legends, right? And now they were teaching emotion tents. Nice uh, to get that civilian stuff. So, um, little things like that go a really long way. I like how you uh, present that networking because a lot, you know when I first heard it, it just sounds like something new you got to learn how to do, right? But one of the things you do and, and what you talked about is you have a network already, right? Yeah, but that's why I always tell people to start with people they serve with. Absolutely. We don't have that's that's in, implied in the relationship. Absolutely. You know, I, I used to when I first started working at the homeless shelter and was trying to get those guys to reach out to their people they'd serve with. And, you know, I used to I said, you know, I had more connection with my college fraternity brothers. Then I saw the service members had with the people they had served with in terms of their desire to reach out to them. And I was like, and as soon as they would start doing it, it's like their whole world would transform um, because yeah. I get it, you know, in a way, you know, you're, you're out of the military, you're kind of out of the culture and it's like, you know, everyone's on their own and, and it, it can be, it can be a challenge to say, no, start reaching out. But once they start, oh, it's, you know, it's magic to see what happens when two veterans who serve together. 
yeah, um, yeah. get together. I, I saw we were teaching on Camp Pendleton one time. We were teaching at Wounded Warrior one time, and uh, one of the uh, one of the Marines in the class, um, he was retiring. Uh, one of our volunteers had retired the year before. They had gone to basic training together. They hadn't seen each other since basic training. Wow. And they still remember each other. And then one of them, uh, the guy who was in the class, brought their little basic training little yearbook or whatever they put together. And they were laughing and talking. <laughs> that, that was 20 years before. And it was like they had, they had just, you know, picked up right where they left off. Right. And, and that's, that's how I do now. Just, just start with the people you serve with. Just say hello and, and magical things start to happen. All right, Russell. So I asked you a few questions. And now... Uh, I'd like for you to just offer, is it something that I didn't ask you that uh, maybe you want to you know, share? Well, I've learned a lot over the years. Um, the core of what we do, you know, hasn't necessarily changed so much. Um, we have just started to add different capabilities in, in terms of just long-term life success. Um, you know, it's, it's never just about the job. You know, you, you, it's like I said, you got to maximize your benefits. Um, you got to have that direction and purpose in your life. Um, and one of the reasons why I'm moving into the into the whole real estate field is, you know, if you're going to talk, if you're going to take it from a process improvement perspective, you know, your Lean Six Sigma perspective, you know, the ability to purchase a home with no down payment, especially in California, when you know everyone else got to put down twenty percent. Um, that freed up capital can then be used for other things. And then a few years later, you can do it again and do it again and do it again. Um, and so that's kind of why I'm sort of the looking, you know, I, it's been an amazing journey. You know, I started, uh, I started with, uh, you know, in the vet center and at the homeless shelter. If someone was looking to take advantage of, what you had to offer as far as them transitioning, how could they reach you or where should they look to find out what transitioning services you provide? VeteransTransitionSupport.org. That takes you to our website. And then we have a little button that's called the Programs button, which takes you to our Eventbrite page. So our OSHA classes and our 10-day logistics supply chain classes, those are live instruction because they have to be. Um, but we've been doing the disability claims, the home loan benefits, and the Lean Six Sigma. We've been doing on Zoom. Okay. Uh, so those are available. And I usually weave a lot of my transition information into my classes. I mean, that's just that's just how it works. Right. Um, so that's probably the best way to gain the information. Right. Just just take uh, take my Lean Six Sigma class. That that'll give you that'll give people a good a good start. Absolutely, a really good start. And then, uh, but I'm always open. I mean, I get I get emails from people all the time. So, what's your email? Uh, <laughs> Russell.vts at gmail.com. Hey, Russell, thank you so much for your time. I yeah, appreciate thank it. Thank you. And uh, we'll talk soon. Okay, thank you. All right, bye bye. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Subscribe to Hindsight the Podcast and never miss an episode. Find us on Instagram at hindsight underscore the underscore podcast. And don't forget to leave a comment.